Hi there and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast with me, Daniel Green. Each week we bring you the most interesting conversations in the media industry and today we speak to Executive Editor at the Pulitzer Centre, Indira Lakshmanan, to talk about supporting local newsrooms with public service journalism. We're talking to Indira about the Pulitzer Centre's Bringing Stories Home project this week. With the journalism industry facing significant challenges due to declining advertising revenues, local newsrooms have been particularly badly hit, with dramatic cuts to both funding and staff. Since launching in January, the Bringing Stories Home scheme has already supported a variety of local newsrooms across the United States. So Indira, how does the scheme support those newsrooms in their projects? What form does that take? So what we do is multi-leveled. On the one hand, we give grants to local news organizations to enable them to do some dream project, whether it's investigative or an in-depth examination of something or explanatory journalism. They come to us first with the project, saying this is the thing we've always wanted to do. We don't have the money to do it. So we help them financially. We also help outlets if they need data journalism support. Sometimes we help if they need editorial support. And then at the end of the day, when the stories come out, our education team here at the Pulitzer Center helps build curriculum based on those stories, helps take it into kindergarten through secondary schools, and we also have a program in colleges and universities where we take journalists into classrooms for them to talk about their stories, how they did their reporting. So in other words, this is also part of news literacy and making people trust news is showing people how the sausage is made. Um, And then we also give fellowships to students um, to allow them to go around the world Um, and do their own journalism about really important issues. So we see it as a virtuous cycle in which we're helping seed the ground in local communities that, you know, are struggling with resources, enabling them to do great journalism, and then giving it back, helping them pay it forward into their community by supporting educational outreach based on those stories. Can you give me an example of some of the types of stories that the project has supported so far? So the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel is one that I think is a terrific example. They are a, you know, local regional news outlet in Wisconsin. They're in the middle of the state that has been known as, you know, America's dairy land. And um, what they wanted was to do a year-long investigation of the problems in the dairy industry, which have a multiplicity of factors starting with the fact that there is so much global competition that exists now that didn't exist before with globalization and trade that they are that the american dairy industry is feeling pressure from china from southeast asia from canada mexico all over the world which has driven global dairy prices down the impact of the united states is that thousands and thousands of dairy farms across america have had to shut down and go bankrupt in the last few years. And the biggest portion of those were, of course, in Wisconsin, the epicenter of our dairy industry. And so they wanted to look at both at home in Wisconsin and abroad, what are the factors that are causing, you know, that are really presenting an existential threat to the dairy industry and tell that story of rural America and rural Wisconsin 
to urban readers and to policymakers who could actually make a difference. And already they've got about half a dozen stories out now with many more to come. Already this project is being talked about across the state and Wisconsin state legislators have taken it up and held it up on the floor of the state legislature as an example of why they need to act and discussing different forms of legislation that might help this situation. So what was behind setting up the initiative and what was its aim? So the immediate pressure point that we felt is how journalism, local journalism in the United States, but I think this is true in the UK as well, is really under tremendous threat from changes in our industry. So we can retell the whole story, take it back to the uh, the dawn of the internet and the dawn of people allowing, giving their content away for free, how news organizations at the time didn't realize that just setting up a homepage and not charging for it would mean that eventually people wouldn't want to buy a newspaper anymore, not to mention all the competition from other content that there is on the internet that is not vetted journalism, that might be just a blog or someone in their pajamas in the basement writing a story who doesn't actually have any journalistic training or ethics. Um, So there's a whole bramble, a tangled web of reasons why journalism, particularly in local communities, is struggling. And what we wanted to do at the Pulitzer Center was give an opportunity for uh, local outlets across the United States to have a chance to still do important, meaningful journalism that changes laws, changes lives, and really makes a difference in communities. And the truth is that when the Pulitzer Center on Crisis Reporting started, um, you know, 13 years ago now, initially the idea was to be supporting local newsrooms across America in doing in-depth, important, investigative journalism about global issues that they no longer had the money to support. So in a way, this is back to our roots, where we had, from the start, wanted to help local and regional outlets. The difference with this project is we're extending it beyond those outlets doing global journalism to them doing local journalism as well. And so what were you hoping would result from the work of the project? And we saw this as a multi-pronged benefit, not only for the news organization itself, which, you know, many of which are struggling to stay afloat. We saw it as a benefit for the local community who would get stories told um, by their peers about their issues that matter to them and not just having to rely on national cable news broadcasting, which addresses somewhat superficially Um, you know, big picture issues without drilling down into what are the issues in Louisville, Kentucky, or what are the issues in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, And we also wanted to make sure that we had a way to contribute to the restoration of trust in um, journalism with integrity. And as you may know, there's a whole host of studies that show how trust in journalism has really declined over the last 20 years in the United States. And we felt that part of the solution to this is people being able to connect with their local journalists, connect to stories that really make a difference in their lives, and realize that journalism is a real thing. This isn't people making up quote-unquote fake news. These aren't anonymous sources. These are real stories about real people like them and their neighbors. 
So you've so far worked with 11 newsrooms from across the United States. How were those newsrooms selected? So um, we sort of advertised at the beginning of the year that we were going to be taking proposals from local and regional newsrooms who want to do, again, the key is it has to be public service journalism of some kind. So that can be investigative, it can be enterprise, but it has to be journalism that actually matters and makes a difference to people's lives. So we're not interested in doing something like covering, you know, it's not breaking news coverage. It's not covering a local election or supporting a beat reporter for a year. That's not what we're doing. We're supporting specific projects and specific stories that are going to make a difference. So, you know, some of those people came to us just, you know, put in an application because they saw us talking about this on social media and advertising it online. Others are news outlets with whom we have a relationship in the past because we've done other projects with them. So Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the journal Sentinel there is an example where we had already done a really successful project with them some years ago called Paper Cuts which was again about global influences of globalization and trade and how it was negatively affecting Wisconsin's paper industry. So we had a relationship with them. In other cases, there are new outlets who we're working with who we've had a really great experience with. And let me give you an example. We've worked with a host of nonprofit um, newsrooms, investigative newsrooms in the United States. So the Kentucky Center for Investigative Journalism, the Texas Tribune, um, the Midwest Center for Investigative Journalism, and supported each of them independently to do projects that look at so-called for-profit policing, which is another term for what is technically called in the United States civil asset forfeiture. It's a procedure where the police legally can seize assets and cash from citizens who have been detained even if they are never charged with a crime. And due to that reporting, the state legislatures in both Missouri and Kentucky have put forth legislation to roll back and put restrictions on civil asset forfeiture. And the Supreme Court earlier this year came out with a ruling that also limits civil asset forfeiture. And you know we feel that this is partly due to the reporting that we started um, at the end of last year and has gone through this year um, with local outlets on this subject. Now, the initiative has been funded by a variety of sources, in particular a $5 million gift provided by the Facebook Journalism Project. Did Facebook's funding come with any caveats? Well, I can say right up front, there are no caveats. This is an unrestricted gift to our endowment, um, which was really important to us. We didn't want this to be a grant where we're having to answer to a corporation. Um, most of our financial support comes from foundations um, or private philanthropists, um, but not from companies. And we felt that the idea of this coming from the Facebook Journalism Project, where Facebook was actually saying, hey, we didn't, you know, we have had some impact on the local journalism space and we want to try to give back and repair some of the problems that have been brought on not just by Facebook but by you know the opening of the internet and digital information in general um, and we said yeah we think it's a terrific idea if you want to give us money to support local journalism great so the only um, caveat is that this endowment support is to be used for our support of local journalism but since this is a program we wanted to do anyway um, it really worked out perfectly. 
at a time when local newsrooms, as you say, are under increasing pressure due to declining advertising revenues, and with some local communities in the United States now without a newspaper entirely to serve them, how important do you think schemes like this are? I think they're critically important. Obviously, we don't want journalism in this country to have to depend on philanthropy alone. Um, I don't think that's the solution. I can't. I don't think we can look to foundations or we're a nonprofit journalism organization. We're not a foundation, but I don't think journalism can be relying on philanthropy um, from different groups alone. There obviously has to be a revenue model that comes in that can replace what we currently have. Someone needs to figure out a way to make journalism profitable again, um, or at least in a break even space where you know we're not hearing every single day about more mergers and shutdowns and job losses um, so there is a larger problem that's not what we're you know we're not the people to solve that problem <laughs> hopefully some revenue gurus out there are are figuring it out in your country or ours or somewhere else and will come up with a solution that is more sustainable and long term but you know i would say that you know the whole reason the Pulitzer Center came about 13 years ago is because as the industry began to suffer and feel this strain, there was also the question of um, certain stories that were going by the wayside. So when we began as the Pulitzer Center on crisis reporting, the notion was to be able to support under-reported stories. To, so to focus a spotlight, give funding, give other kinds of resources to support stories, even at the biggest outlets, I might add, because while this project that we're talking about, this initiative, Bringing Stories Home, applies only to local and regional outlets outside of major metro areas, you know, some of our most important partners are also the New York Times, the New Yorker, the PBS NewsHour, major, major national news organizations who don't have the money to do all the stories that they want to and need to do for the public good. So remember, our focus was on important systemic crises and stories that no one else was doing otherwise, and that without our support, that news organization, big or small, would not be able to do. So I think even when, I, I, it's if, I suppose, but I hope that it's truly when the revenue model problem is solved, there's always going to be more resources going to daily news or politics or elections and so many important stories that affect people's lives like police corruption or the local costs of global trade or abuse um, and discrimination against women and children. There are going to be so many other issues that are considered second and third tier issues in newsrooms that won't have the support. And again, that's where we come in helping organizations do really great work that changes lives and changes laws and betters people's lives that they wouldn't otherwise have the resources to do. So going forward then, what does the future of the Bringing Stories Home initiative look like? Honestly, what I would like to be able to say is that we'd love to be able to support all the great storias out there. And part of what we're doing is trying to raise more money. Um, you know, we're going back to the Facebook Journalism Project to ask them to double down on their support for this. You know, they've already seen the really incredible impact of what we've done just, you know, seven months into this year. 
Um, we've already got 12 fantastic projects off the ground with more to come, by the way, that we haven't discussed that have been approved but that aren't out yet. So we have a number more um, projects that we're supporting in other local newsrooms I haven't mentioned. So we're hoping that um, the Facebook Journalism Project will give us more support to our endowment to enable us to widen the net and support more great stories or that others will come in. I mean, as I said, uh, or as you suggested at the beginning of our interview, this first year's project, since this was a gift to the endowment, we can't draw on it till next year. So this first year of reporting is supported by um, other foundations that support us, like MacArthur, like the Howard Hughes Medical Institute, like Humanity United, the Omidyar Network. So we're hoping that all of these philanthropic partners or co corporate social responsibility partners will realize how important uh, this journalism is that we're making possible and you know realize that it's a really smart contribution not only to journalism but frankly to a healthy democracy to put more funds into what we're doing and what we're making possible because after all I think the problem that all of us are seeing with you know threats to our democracies in the in the developed world with rising authoritarianism around the globe is that part of this is about people's lack of trust in institutions lack of trust in what is real information and by supporting quality investigative public service journalism we are again rebuilding the fabric of people's trust in what is real <laughs> what is true news and fighting against it misinformation so i see this as an investment not just in individual newsrooms individual stories i see it as a real investment in democracy and finally indira is this something you'd want to roll out outside of the united states i mean you know of course this is an american um an american initiative but it's some it's the kind of thing we do regional journalism as well like we could you know do this for the uk if somebody wanted to fund us you know it's the it's the kind of thing we have professional journalists who review these and act as an intermediary and i really hope um that you know we can get more attention for it i really i feel it's so vitally important um i just don't want to i don't want to live through the death of local journalism it's too sad a really interesting project there and thanks again to Indira for speaking with me and thanks of course to you at home or on the commute for tuning in. Don't forget there's still time to grab your ticket to our News Rewired conference on the 27th of November at Reuters in London. Head over to newsrewired.com, save the date and we'll see you there. And if you want to be featured on one of our podcasts you can get in touch with us at Journalism News on Twitter. That's all for now, until next time.